Welcome to Light Trees and News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today. We're back from the holidays by Charles. Woo woo. Wow. Oh, you can tell that I just woke up with that with that voice. Wow. <laughs> Wowie wow. Uh, we're back. We did it. We successfully, I mean, I successfully took some time off, even though I did record a bonus episode with Meredith. Uh, you know, I can't ever fully go on vacation. I can't quit you little motherfuckers for some reason. Um, but you guys over at uh, Dirty Little Horror, y'all didn't really take a break. Uh, we kind of did, but not technically. Um, like we haven't been recording for a couple weeks, but that's because we recorded episodes early and then released like Patreon, uh, stuff that was exclusive to Patreon before. And now like we use that to fill in the gaps between seasons. Yeah. I call so there's that never really... um, new podcaster syndrome where you're like, oh, I can never take a break. Right. Because if I take a break, people go away. Because they'll forget I'm a person and that we have a show. And it's like, no, they they like you. They'll remember that you guys exist. Oh, no. If anything, it's just like we've gotten more. I feel weird, like, getting emails and stuff and not being able to respond to them immediately. Right, right. Because we normally will read them out on the show. I think, actually, I think some people like when a podcast takes a hiatus because I always forget, much like Twitter, not everyone is so extremely online like I am. So, like, I listen to a ridiculous ridiculous amount of podcasts i am on twitter probably like 20 hours of every day i consume <laughs> an insane amount of pop culture and i just assume everybody vibrates on that frequency uh spoiler most of humanity does not most of humanity will see a couple movies a year um do not listen to podcasts. A year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, most people don't really see or consume a lot of pop culture media. It's just that we are like so insular in our little pop culture community online. We assume everybody's consuming at the same rate we are. So I actually think a lot of people like when podcasts take a hiatus because it allows them to catch up. Um, oh. When I used to host a five days a week podcast, and I would always get very nervous when, you know, I would go on holiday and I was like, oh, are people going to be mad? And 90% of the messages I would get were like, oh, thank God I can catch up now. And I was like, oh, mm. yeah, because you're not listening to the podcast every day. Like, maybe you'll listen to like a couple episodes here and there. But yeah, it starts to really like add up. Oh, no. When you were five days a week, I was listening. I at least was listening to you five days a week. Well, because, again, you're crazy, which is why you now co-host with me, because um, (laughs) your brain is broken in the same way my brain is broken and we're friends. Um, Correct. So, listen, we have so much to fucking get to. I didn't mean to take off your head the other day. Poor Charles texted me and was like, what are we going to talk about on the show? And I responded, the fucking coup, Charles. (laughs) And I realized my tone, even those uh, via text, was a little harsh. So obviously we're going to talk about all all about the attempted coup. But also, guys, this is a pop culture podcast. This is part of my master plan, plan to slowly segue out of politics into being a full-time pop culture commentator slash critic because um, politics hurts my soul. So uh, this is part of my project to 
increasingly get away from politics is what I'm saying. Maybe I shouldn't share my master plan, but there it is, everyone. Cards laid bare. But I support thank it. Thank you so much. Um, so because we were on a holiday break, at least for me, I don't know how things were for you, Charles. I consumed an insane amount of media and pop culture. I tried to stay off Twitter. I was watching like three movies a day. So Holy shit. I know. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So obviously I'm not going to be able to get to all of that. Part of my goal was just to accumulate like bank a lot of movies so that I would have a lot of recommendations um, mm-hmm. for the rest of time <laughs> moving forward. But I obviously I wanted to talk about some of the, the really big movies that came out. Um, but before we get to any of that, I wanted to read a couple of Patreon messages. Just to remind everyone, I do have a Patreon like every other podcast around the fucking planet. Patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. Uh, for as little as $5 a month over there. Basically, you get to skip the line. We'll read your questions and recommendations first on Light Treason News. I, I'm i going to be honest with you. I never really check Facebook or the email. So this is your guaranteed way to get in touch with us. So Amy writes um, that... Oh, I wanted to thank... Sorry, before I get to that. Tree... I don't know if you pronounce the yes on this. Tris, Tree, she's a new supporter of mine over at Patreon. Thank you so much. Uh, Amy writes in, you mentioned Daniel Radcliffe. You mentioning Daniel Radcliffe reminded me of a recommendation. It's Miracle Workers on TBS of all stations. It stars Radcliffe and Stephen uh, Stephen Buscemi. I said Stephen Buscemi like I'm his teacher. <laughs> Steve Buscemi. Oh, my God. As the two big names. It has a twisted sense of humor and a diverse cast. The first season is set in heaven and the second in the <laughs> Middle Ages. And I also believe Anna Dresden is a writer for Miracle Workers, or maybe was. She's the head writer over at SNL. I don't know if she still writes for them because she's now the head writer of SNL. Um, But yeah, I heard great things about Miracle Workers. Apparently it's very, very funny. Um, You don't have to say TBS of all stations. TBS is very funny. They got good comedy shows over there. Yeah, they pick up all the stuff that shouldn't have been canceled. Exactly, exactly. So... Uh, check that out, everybody. And then Tris or Tree, I'm so sorry. I I feel terrible because they she sent such a nice message to me that I'm about to read. Let me know how I should be pronouncing this. Um, as we've established, my brain, shoot, no work so good anymore. <laughs> so they write, hi, Allison, been a listener of yours for 10 years or so. What the fuck? I dissolved to dust when I read that. Um, But that's amazing. Thank you for listening to me blather for so long. And supporter for most of that under a different name. And thankfully, I'm in a place now where I can continue that. I just wanted to express my appreciation and gratitude for you and the work you do. I strongly believe you reinforcing that trans women are women over the years, addressing trans issues in the best possible way, and sharing your platform with trans people really helped normalize the whole concept for me. Holy shit, that is so kind of you to say. It's no small part of why I can be who I am today. Thanks for being the inspirational type of woman that I 
have and will continue to model myself after. Okay, guys, full, dis full disclaimer. I had not read that ahead of time, and I'm very close to crying right now. Um, that is so kind. I Normally, I hate reading messages that, like, really kiss my ass because it just sounds like I'm humble bragging all over the place but I I just saw the first part that you had been a listener for 10 years and I'm like that's incredible we should read this message on air what an amazing message I'm so happy for you I'm so glad that your journey is going well and you're amazing and thank you for listening for so long that's incredible 10 that's so years cool. Charles, I occasionally get messages from people who are like, I listened to you in high school and now I work for CBS what? News. And I'm just like, oh, oh my God. Like I, it, I simultaneously feel so proud and so grateful and like I'm a thousand years old, you know? Yeah, I, I would fully understand that. That would make me feel like an old. <laughs> I, but that's 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 amazing. It's also though. okay to be an old, and there's no shame in being. Because I, I also have like uh, older listeners, and I don't want to ever age shame people. Because I'm rapidly aging, being old my uh, or approaching being old myself. So you know, I got to position myself where the young people can't um, hate crime me. So I gotta <laughs> I gotta get ahead of it. You know, so it's not okay. All right, to shame your elders just for their age. And nobody better ever make me feel like I'm not relevant anymore, okay? I'm just establishing that right now. Have I been podcasting since the beginning of time? Yes. Does that give you the right to ever disrespect me due to my age? Hell no. All right. <laughs> um, somebody isolate that clip so I can just uh, get a soundboard and play it whenever anybody under um, 25 dares to message me on Twitter. <laughs> So let's get to pop culture recommendations. <sighs> Charles, did you see Wonder Woman 84? Uh, listen, okay, so I attempted to watch Wonder Woman. It's 84, right? 84, okay. 84. I attempted to watch, over the course of three days, I attempted to watch Wonder Woman three separate times. And I have made, like the third time, I made it almost to the end. But I left, I fell asleep with like yeah, 10 minutes left. Let me say, I... For a movie, and I feel this way about a lot of comic books, superhero movies, which don't get me wrong, I'm not one of these pretentious Ivy League types who are like, comic book movies have no value or anything like that, but due to their very nature, a lot of them bleed together and you forget 90% of it as soon as you leave the theater, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that Wonder Woman 84 stands out in that respect, but for a movie where so much shit is ostensibly happening, I can maybe recall two things that happen in this film. Like, so much shit is going on, but I just completely zoned out because I didn't care about the movie or anything that was happening in the plot. Nope. Not at all. Uh, I cared about Kristen Wiig's character. And Did that, you? Uh, pretty much Did you? Cheetah? You cared about yeah. Cheetah. Well, I wanted to see where we were going. I'm not very familiar with that villain. So I was like, ooh, this is very Selena Kyle. I like this whole weird transformation. Oh, Wait, did okay. It remind you now of we're Selena into Kyle garbage. because it completely ripped off the Selena Kyle story. Yep, it did. It very much did. I was like, oh, an homage. Wait a second. It's not an Wait homage, a baby. It's just plagiarism. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, there's a difference between an homage and just straight ripping off a plot because we don't have any original ideas, right? And that mm -hmm. was clearly. Yeah what was happening. I listened to some early podcasts, film podcasts that were like, 
You know, because nobody wants to think that Patty Jenkins did this to herself. So they were like, you know, maybe they really got some tough studio notes and and she was her authority was undermined. I got bad news for you. I think this was the film Patty Jenkins wanted to make. I don't think it's very mm-hmm. easy to walk into a room and tell Pat, Patty Jenkins what to do. I think Patty Jenkins had a vision for this. Listen, uh, number two movies for, for introducing a superhero, the second film, notoriously, it's a very hard spot to fill. Plot wise, mm-hmm. character arc wise, she has my sympathy there. I get it. But this is a trash film. There is stuff. Oh, yeah. there, here's the thing. This is not a movie where I am giving my subjective opinion about like, I don't like this movie. There are just straight up mistakes in this movie. Like plot wise, character development wise, things are happening that are completely nonsensical. It's racist. Uh-huh. There's just a, a scene, a white savior scene, where fucking Gal Gadot, the spokeswoman for the IDF, let's remember, swoops mm-hmm. in and saves two Egyptian, question mark, I think, children, because they don't really like establish it ever because it's not important. We're just in a random Middle Eastern country, right? Put some pyramids in the background. Uh, here's a, a crazy Shah who wants oil. Um, that's all we need character development wise. Have Gal Gadot swoop in and save two Egyptian question mark children. And that's a scene. Yeah, because anywhere you are in Egypt, you could, at all times can see the pyramids in the background. Exactly. You know that? That it, like how you can always see uh, the Empire State <laughs> Building wherever you are in New York. Mm-hmm, always. Mm-hmm. I can see it right now. It's in my apartment. Um, <laughs> I've told it to leave and it won't. So... The CGI is trash. It looks so bad. Oh. Those those children she sh- the, she uh, saved were trash. They were clearly rubber. They were uh, they were as bad as that baby that what's his face held in that American sniper movie. Oh, Bradley Cooper. Like, yeah, they were so fake. Charles, she lands on them. If you watch it again, <laughs> yeah, she, she flies <laughs> through the air and lands on two small children, and they don't explode <laughs> into blood and meat. Which is just nope. inaccurate. That is 100% what all. would happen. Wonder Woman would have just crushed two children. <laughs> so I would have liked that movie better, by the way. If Diana accidentally murdered two children. Captivating. And then it got super dark out of nowhere. Oh, I'd love it. It just ab- abandoned all the other plot points and she just goes <laughs> into like this weird place in her head. You know what we need? we need? We need a more dark, moody comic book movies. I feel like that hasn't been done enough. So if we could have like a dark take on Wonder Definitely Woman, not. that would be really um, fresh, I feel. So here's, here's my problem with Cheetah, okay? So they never really establish a friendship between them. They go out to like one lunch where they have kind of an awkward conversation. I really, really thought for a second that um, Barbara was going to be in love with Diana because I kind of like got that Mm, vibe. mm. And I was like, Ooh, okay. Is this like a love story beyond the weird Chris Pine uh, possessing the body of some poor asshole who was just walking around and now Chris Pine is operating him like a puppet, which was a very weird way to approach that storyline. But so I was like, oh, okay. And then they were just like, no, just kidding. And then they forced this weird romance between Barbara and uh, Pedro Pascal's character. Um, But yeah, so they go out to one lunch. I guess we're supposed to buy their friends. I never really bought that. And then bare minimum coworkers, their coworkers. (laughs) 
at a museum. They're science ladies. Um, and I'm not going to go through the plot point by point because we don't have enough time. But long story short, guys, there's a magic rock in this film. <laughs> and I'm not here mm-hmm. to besmirch the name of MacGuffins because, uh, listen, I'm a big MCU head. And the Infinity Stones are the biggest uh, MacGuffins out there, right? Like, they are just there to serve a stupid artificial plot point to keep things moving along. I'm not anti-MacGuffin. However, say this. Pedro Pascal wishing to become the wish stone in this movie is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life, (laughs) even for a comic book film, which is saying a lot because all comic book films are stupid. And I say that as a stupid person who likes stupid films and stupid enjoys them. Okay. So Mm -hmm. no judgment, but comic book film plots inherently, um, I can think of very few exceptions are very stupid. So, but even with that standard, industry standard, this is stupid. So, somebody, I'm not somebody, uh, many, many people have pointed this out. No one in this film wishes for world peace. Nope. No one in this film also wishes for their loved ones to come back. Like, it may, and I understand we have a limited time frame, we're dealing with a lot in this movie, But there are just mistakes in this film where it's like, this makes no sense. Nobody wished for a good thing. That's your view of humanity. In the entire world. In the entire world, not one person wished for world peace, which is sort of like, okay. Also, I think it was very weird to make Pedro Pascal Trump, essentially, in this film. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Especially because this film was supposed to come out pre the election so can you imagine if he had won a second term um listen he's still trying to get a second term so we're not fully out of the woods yet but i thought that was very weird oh yeah so barbara wishes upon the stone that she wants to be like diana so apparently that means you become super blonde and can walk in heels and wear leather jackets guys did you notice that um kristen wig is attractive you probably didn't notice because uh, she was slouching a little bit and like mumbling under her breath a little bit, but she's actually an incredibly beautiful woman. And when you put her in heels and a tight black dress, and here's the thing, I know what their gamble was. They were like, oh, we'll, we'll say that this is like a clever critique of that tired trope in 80s films where the incredibly beautiful woman takes off her glasses and everyone's like, but here's the thing. You didn't actually comment on it. You just did the thing again. So (laughs) it's not clever. Just as it's not a clever sort of homage to the body swapping movies to have Chris Pine, Pine inhabit the body of this poor schmo. You know what would have been if his sobbing wife and children approached him at some point and they were like, where have you been? Come home. We can't survive without you. And then Chris Pine actually has to make this difficult decision where he's like, do I leave this guy's body and abandon Diana or do I ruin his life? You know, like that's a commentary on a trope. We never get to any kind of commentary on 80s tropes. So you're just recycling shit. And I feel like it was important that Patty get notes like that at some point. Maybe she did and she ignored them. I don't know. But this script is bad. It's trash. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. 
I guess we get to go back to Vag Island in the beginning, which is nice. We we get to see the Amazon warriors <laughs> and stuff, but like that's a dumb and derivative scene. Like everybody's pointed out that it's basically Quidditch they're playing in the beginning. Like this movie just felt tired as I was watching it. Oh, fully. Yeah, I I I I really liked I, I I it's probably just Kristen Wiig at this point, but I re- liked her. I liked the character. They didn't really do anything with her at all, except you're right. The oh my god, she took her glasses off. She's pretty now. Um, and I was fully on board with her until they did the CGI cheetah transformation, and then I was fully out because it was bad. It's so bad. It's terrible, Charles. I'm going to ask you two questions about this film, and I want you to answer them honestly to the best of your ability. Okay. Why is this movie set in the eighties? Um, I don't know. They wanted to be campy. I'm not sure. Yeah, so that that's my answer. They wanted to use the excuse of camp to explain away all of the the script failures. <laughs> Do people know Diana is Wonder Woman? I don't know. You you would think that she she's not really hiding herself. She doesn't have a mask. She doesn't wear a mask. Um, everybody. She doesn't wear a mask. And she is just like out in public being like a little whoosh of a superhero that no one can really see very quick in the beginning of it. So here's something that drives me nuts. This is actually one of the things about Wonder Woman that I think is very cool. And they never fucking explain it. Every other superhero, as far as I know, in the DC universe, maybe I'm wrong about that. But like the big ones, Superman, um, Batman, hide their real identity. Diana doesn't because she's a fucking goddess. So mm-hmm. everybody knows she's Wonder Woman. That introduces a very interesting set of challenges and problems for her, right? That everybody knows who she actually is. Fucking explore that. Have fucking Gal Gadot, the most beautiful woman in the world, walking down the street and everybody knows she's Wonder Woman. That's fucking hilarious. Like, let's explore a world where everybody knows Diana is actually Wonder Woman. I mean, yeah, that could be interesting. I mean, I think they're going to... Are they, aren't they going to do that with the next Spider-Man movie? Which has nothing to do with this. Uh, yeah, he gets outed at the end of the last one. So, yeah, I think that's the plan. Yeah. yeah. I um, I mean, it, it, I, the, the, the citizens of the DC universe all seem kind of dumb because Superman essentially just puts on glasses and takes them off as well. So That's true. Yeah. Like, these are a bunch of dummies we're dealing with. But people don't have, like, very good facial recognition in having, this universe. But even with that into consideration, like, Diana is so... She stands out, you know? So you would think people oh, would fully, notice. Yeah. Okay, here's another question. Where was Wonder Woman during World War II? <laughs> mm-hmm. When they were liberating the concentration camps. Was she not interested? Just skipping right over it. Okay. Maybe we'll go back later. That's, this is another problem I have with going back to the 80s, because I'm like, okay, I'm fine with jumping around time-wise, but why specifically World War One to the 80s? And like, listen, mm-hmm. I know it's a comic book movie. Perhaps we don't want to deal with the Holocaust. I get it. But come up with some kind of excuse. Like, did she not... Like, I don't know, like something, but you can't just yada, yada, yada the Holocaust, you know? She was taking a nap. Okay. She was very tired after she the first war. She was real war. sleepy. I, give me something. Give me something. <laughs> uh, and it, like, it's, it's, it's not revolutionary anymore to make movies commenting about the greed of the 80s. Like, no. no one, I don't really think that that's relevant anymore. So many movies have done that already. And if you want to comment on Trump, I feel like there's more interesting ways of commenting on Trump than like... Yeah, like a critique of 80s greed is good. 
culture because yeah that's been done it feels tired yeah i I truly just feel like the retroness of this film was used as an excuse to explain away how bad it is like the 80s was not as 80s as this film the way this movie opens the level of cheese and listen i know some people fucking like it but i was just rolling my eyes the whole time why is diana the most powerful person in the world breaking up mall robberies what (laughs) right what i mean that's where all the important like that's what malls are just shell corporations to hide artifacts in duh um, I'm so pissed off. Why is this movie so and, long? It's so long. It's so long. I feel like I that, okay for the length. I feel like maybe we wouldn't have noticed had we seen it in theaters. Maybe that's but a lie. I, I, I would have had to that. pee like three different times. Mm, okay. Um, in the same way that you mentioned earlier that no one wishes for like world peace or their own loved ones, this also takes place in the '80s, and no one wishes for mountains of cocaine. Oh, great point. Why is no one just? Up to their eyeballs in cocaine. Why is Pedro Pascal's character not up to his eyeballs in cocaine? Right? All the characters you could have doing mounds of cocaine at once, he would be the one. Oh, you no, know, I'm sorry. They gave him the stupid character trait that he's weirdly obsessed with his health. Mm. That That's a defining characteristic of that character in the film. In the 80s. In the 80s. That character, who's based on Donald Trump, obsessed with his health. Okay. Obsessed. Okay. And, and, and uh, neglecting his son. All right, what else do I want to talk about in this goddamn movie? Okay, here's what I'll say. I'll say one nice thing, and they're very lucky because this was, I think, an accident. Chris Pine and Gal Gadot have amazing chemistry. Like, they're two of Mm -hmm. the hottest people on the planet. They look amazing on screen together. I give most of the credit to him because I'm pretty sure Gal Gadot can't act. Um, But she's not an actress, but she's a movie star. Do you know what I mean? Like, whenever she's on screen... I personally, this is my humble opinion, I think she's fucking mesmerizing when she's on screen. She's one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in a movie. I will watch her and Chris Pine just like stare at each other all day. So I think they got very lucky because they never did a chemistry test with Gal Gadot and Chris Pine. They just put them in a movie together, which is insane. Really? Yeah. And I think they just bet on the fact that they were like, well, we know Chris Pine is good and incredibly charismatic and so handsome so it'll work right and it totally worked because it's like well she's fucking beautiful and all he has to do is stare at her and be charming so (laughs) we think it'll work and it did work and it works again in this movie i think even though the storyline is fucking absurd and it drove me insane that diana again the most powerful woman in the world her defining motivator in this movie is i want my boyfriend back and that's fucking Mm -hmm. it for her she and then she's like uh tell the truth and that's it and it's terrible writing uh i think it does a real disservice to the character but having said all that man chris pine is good (laughs) like he's so charming in every scene um i really from my gut laughed at the scene when they were in the plane together and he realizes they can see them on radar and he says well shit diana and he's so mad at her i was Mm -hmm. like i would watch a road trip movie with these two as like an old married couple just bickering the whole time because they're charming so and how they finally bring in the invisible plane in this do. stupid bullshit way and like it's it's a bullshit way oh my god charles we didn't talk about the fucking scene where she flies 
<laughs> we didn't even address uh, that. <sighs> it's uh, why? Why does it happen? Why? And like, why does it happen, everybody? For for Wonder Woman to be like pining after Chris Pine, eh, um, for decades after he died, and like, uh, and, and this is not an original thought. I saw this on Twitter, or Tumblr, or something. In oh, the comic I never books, have original thoughts about anything. He is like in the comic books begging her to marry him and be with him and all this stuff. And they like the entirety of the comic book. She's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. You can just kind of be here. Yeah, well, that's the Thank thing. You. I've heard from everyone. <laughs> and I should say, like, full disclosure, I am completely ignorant about the mythology of Wonder Woman. I've never read one Wonder Woman comic book. But what I've heard from every single Wonder Woman scholar is the comic books are great and you should totally check them out if you want great writing if you want to see the the relationship between barbara and diana really developed in a heartbreaking way so it means a lot when barbara Mm -hmm. becomes cheetah check out the comic books but this movie really 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 does a disservice to the character and it's deeply frustrating because much like the mcu it's done in this sort of faux feminist, stupid girl power shit. I know so many people like that scene uh, in Endgame when all the lady superheroes show up. And I thought it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Um, After how many movies? I hate it. I hate it so much. Here's the thing. You got to develop these characters for it to mean something, right? And the MCU mm-hmm. doesn't fucking do that. Um Unless you're talking about like Captain Marvel or or somebody like that, um, maybe some of the characters from Black Panther. But, anyways, um, I'll say one last thing, and then we absolutely have to move on because I have um, other films that I want to talk about. Oh my god, this uh, guys, this episode is going to be long. Okay, we have a lot to catch up on, but um, I hope sincerely. This is my sincere hope for the Wonder Woman franchise. I hope they keep finding ways to bring back. Chris Pine from the dead because I think that would be (laughs) the funniest thing ever if he's just like again and it's every film because I Mm -hmm. don't know what happens to this character (laughs) without um, Steve because he makes her very likable and when you're putting zero effort into the writing beyond her relationship and her boyfriend I don't know who Diana is in these films beyond her being like truth is good and occasionally showing up when, like, Batman and uh, Superman are fighting. I don't know. The most interesting parts of her are where she comes from, uh, Vag Island, and Chris <laughs> Pine. And now we don't have either of those things. So it's like, yeah. dot, 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 okay. If we can just have, like, a montage in every single movie of one of the main characters trying on a bunch of uh, period clothing... But like really get into like weird, uh, yeah, like the 30s. Like now he's trying mm. on like 30s outfits. And it's like, oh, I guess that's what they wore back then. Okay. Or if Steve comes back and he's just really into like being emo and scene. <gasps> With like um, dark swept bangs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So next question. Did you see Soul? I have not. No. Okay, that's fine because I'm not going to linger on it too long. So obviously Wonder Woman, uh, I'm going to anti-wreck Wonder Woman. Charles, I'm assuming you're going to anti-wreck Wonder Woman. Uh, I mean, if you have two hours to kill, sure. But if you don't, don't bother. I What I said originally, and then I had to reverse it the more I thought about it. And then I was like, oh, no, it is actually very harmful and racist as a film. What I originally said was it's a fine thing to have on in the background during the holidays, like when you're talking to your family. 
you know, Mm -hmm. like to occasionally look up and be like, oh, that scene was kind of cool. And then go back to being like, so how's school, you know? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. But like oh something blew up on the TV. I can't now even I can't even wreck it in that respect anymore. Like the more I thought about it the more I'm like, oh no, it's like actively harmful. <laughs> um but soul I will recommend in the lane of animations that are ostensibly for kids but really they're for adults. Because mm-hmm. truly watching this, I was like I feel like I'm on mushrooms. I can't imagine kids ever following this plot or being interested in it in any way or wanting to ask themselves the deep existential questions that are being asked in this film. Like this film is all about like thinking your purpose is one thing and then finding out later in life, like midlife that it's not and being okay with that and, and, transcending your consciousness and what that means and like it's it asks incredibly deep questions so in that respect i find it a little frustrating because i do notice this trend of arrested development in animations where and people joke about this with pixar where like every pixar film is made in a lab where they have a team of scientists who know exactly how to make you cry you know yep And guess what? It's not very hard. It's like you show an old couple and one of them dies, you know, you, you show Uh. a man who dies before he fulfills his life purpose. Like it's not difficult to make people sad. It is really hard to make people laugh and feel happy. So like, I find this trend mildly worrisome because I'm like, who's making good movies for kids right now? You know, like we were spoiled because we grew up during the golden age of of Disney where they were making these amazing animations with gorgeous illustrations and music, you know, swelling scores. And I I would never argue that like the films hold up because obviously like the Little Mermaid's commentary on what it is to be a woman is just disastrous and like (laughs) (laughs) so frightening and like you know, um, kissing women when they're unconscious and stuff like that. Like horrifying stuff happens in Disney films. Very like racist stuff happens in in Disney films. But they were for kids, right? Like ostensibly all of these films were for children. Okay. I feel like... We also came out of like the the 80s era where like also at the same time they were putting out super, super dark kid stuff. So that's the thing. I think a lot of adults now forget the level of fucked up shit we watched as kids that made us Mm -hmm. super weird as kids and very creative. And a lot of people had made them like very edgy and they ended up creating really dope stuff as adults themselves. But that was because we were exposed to other types of entertainment as kids. But at the same time, we still had stuff for kids. And the thing that worries me about films like soul is I'm like, again, I can't imagine a kid watching this and enjoying it, period. I could be wrong about that. I don't have kids, you know, like maybe there are like really deep kids out there who were like, you know, I've been I've been asking myself these types of big questions and it's really cool to see a film like this. So maybe that does exist out there. But my my fear is just that now these animations are for adults. And if that's the case, then what are kids watching for quote unquote kids films because there's also just so much trash out there for kids like 
every animation on Netflix is is stupid and bad from what I've heard from parents mm -hmm. out there. You know, there's just like endless garbage you can put on all day for kids to watch. Um, a lot of kids movies are very stupid and like fart jokes and stuff like that, which again, nothing wrong with fart jokes. Kids love fart jokes. Uh, farts are fucking hilarious. I get it, you know? Um, <laughs> but like, what is the, where is that middle ground of like the, the smarter sort of kids film? Because it's not soul. Soul is for adults and it is a beautiful film and the illustrations are incredible. I, so so wish the third act of this film was not white ass tina fey commandeering the body of a black man and living his life better than he ever did i think is that what happens i think that was a deeply weird place to take this plot and it's bad it's bad and especially with a uh, tina fey's history it's no good i had no idea that she was even in this movie uh -huh. um, she's a cat Charles, she's a cat. Huh. Or no, sorry, um, this he's is also... a cat. He's a cat. Sorry. She is a lost soul. They fall into the wrong bodies. Blah 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 blah. I haven't seen it. I do plan on watching it because I do like I mean, I feel like Pixar has reached this level amongst like parents where it's like seen as prestige children's entertainment. So in making it more for adults like these storylines that children can't necessarily follow, they're kind of catering to the audience now that they think that they, that they, that they've created within themselves. Yes. I think that's right. To Toy Story and stuff used to be fun. Finding Nemo was fun. Yes. They all had these little tragic, sad moments, but then and like, like kids could later, enjoy that. later and later and later. Yeah, yeah. Later and later and later in Pixar, it just became more and more like devastating. I, Not just I like really sad. I really think it started devastating. Toy Story 3. Because the scene where they think they're going to die, oh. I was just like, this is Wait. dark. This is like very Did dark, even for a kid's film that occasionally has very, like, I think like The Little Mermaid, there were very scary parts of The Little Mermaid, but that was scary in a way that I was like, is this a kid's film? And then Up came out and I was just like, what are you doing? Like, literally, what are you doing? The first 15 minutes of this film are like, again, designed in a lab to devastate people. Mm, uh I tried to figure out. Uh, oh, Up came out first. Up is the first one where I was like, the uh, in in the movie theater, literally sobbing. But then, oh, you're right. Instantly. Toy Story three came out right after that. You know, you know why and you were like, crying because you're a fucking human ugh. being. Like, I don't know yeah. anybody who watched the beginning of. I shouldn't say that because I'm sure there. Are, <laughs> I'm gonna get messages from people who were like, I didn't cry. I've never cried in my life, and it's like good for you. I don't care. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know anybody who didn't cry at the beginning of Up. I will say with Soul, um. It's also very cool and very rare in a Disney story to see a story set in uh, New York. So that was very cool, seeing New York City animated, especially oh. because um, I haven't been in Manhattan in like six months. So seeing the city, I was <laughs> mm -hmm. like, that right, that's what it looks like. Uh, and there's just like gorgeous moments where like, this is some of the most beautiful animation I've ever seen. Um, Everybody has commented on like the lighting in the film and please film Twitter. Don't write me and say it's not real lighting. I don't think there are little cartoon people holding lights up just outside of the frame. I'm not a fucking idiot. When I say lighting, I mean like the animation that's supposed to look like lighting. Okay. Ugh. People are exhausting. The, 
the, the only real critique I've seen of this movie, really, besides what you're telling me now, is that um, it's yet another Disney film where a person of color doesn't get to be a human for more than 10 minutes. Yeah, so, and he's also ultimately, like, things happen that sort of navigate him into making, like, the right decision. Yeah, he's basically, like, a passenger in this movie, in the third act, which is frustrating. But it is cool to see so many people of color in a Disney film and, you know, black culture represented in a really beautiful, sensitive way for the most part in this film. Um, so that's, it's cool. It's like, it, it, there are very cool aspects of this film. So I would recommend Soul, but if you're gonna like watch it with your very young children, I would say just like no going in that this is one of those animations that's like a Pixar film, quote unquote, for kids, that's not actually for kids. So just a heads up. I just need to be in the right mood to like cry to watch Pixar movies now. Cause I know that that's what's gonna happen. So I refuse to watch them until I'm like, okay. I did it. Here we go. Oh, that's, I welled up a little bit at the end. I was gonna say I didn't cry watching this one i did well up a little bit at the end so and then f- okay two more guys i'm s- i almost said i'm sorry but honestly fuck off it's my show and also <laughs> nobody cares that the pop culture section goes longer sometimes no one has ever complained <sighs> did you see tenet no i did not okay again it's fine it's gonna be a big old anti-rec for me um really yeah. so The older I get with Chris Nolan and the more I think about his films, the more I have accepted that he is a great sequence director. He's not a good film director. So what that means is we occasionally get these amazing moments in his film where like um, there's an opening sequence in Tenant where there's a raid on an auditorium. There's a really cool fight scene in a kitchen. Um, there is a very cool scene on a highway. These are cool sequences, but he cannot direct a film. He, his plots very rarely hold up to careful scrutiny or even mild scrutiny. He is nowhere near as smart as he thinks he is as a writer or a director. Um, it is a Did it crime. end up coming out in theaters like when it was supposed to? Quote unquote, because I know that he was throwing a fit yeah, about it being released. So there's a whole moral argument we can get into with Christopher Nolan where I actually think he is like an abhorrent human being who jeopardized millions of people's lives and he should be deeply ashamed of himself. He, oh. the plot of this film is that time is moving forward and backwards at the same time. Spoiler alert, sorry, there it is, fart. Um, but oh, he likes to do stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, because he thinks he's clever and he's really not. Um, <laughs> so he wanted this movie to come out, I believe, on uh, three three. He wanted it to be a palindrome because time, right. as I said before, Charles, in this film, Tenet, directed by Christopher Nolan, is moving forward and backwards. So he wanted his film to come out on a palindrome that goes forwards and backwards. And people were like, Yay. but. Um, if a hundred people cram into a movie theater, that's called a super spreader event and a lot of people could die. And he said, I don't care. I'm Christopher Nolan. Put my movie in theaters. Um, so he's a horrible human being. So yeah, the movie came out in theaters and guess what? Bombed, baby. That's what happens during a <laughs> fucking pandemic, you idiot. So mm-hmm. I was happy it bombed. He deserved it. 
Um, but yeah, I I will say David Washington, Denzel Washington's son. Hello, nepotism. What's going on? Oh, okay. Uh, he's a movie star. He's great. He is so handsome. He is as charismatic as he can be in this film because I think Christopher Nolan, in addition to being charged with crimes against humanity for potentially exposing <laughs> millions of people to the coronavirus, should also be tried for how he treats his actors in his films. He gets some of the best actors in the world and he gives them nothing to work with. Um, these characters never have a fucking personality. Um, we know nothing about like their lives in any kind of interesting way. Poor Elizabeth Debicki in this film says multiple times, my son, and that's the only thing, her only <laughs> defining characteristic in this film, and she's an amazing <clears throat> actress, and it's, it's horrible. But anyway, David Washington, he's, a, he's an action star. He's so good. I wish, I so wish. There's a moment at, this end of the, uh, at the end of this film where it's the only emotional note of the film. We find out... And I guess, spoiler, if you haven't seen... Ta oh, I don't want to ruin it for you, Charles. So I'll, I'll try to be as vague mm. as possible. Um, there's an emotional scene between Robert Pattinson and um, David Washington. Um, and I know Chris Nolan, who I think is a human being. I, th I know he thinks sure. it's like an emotional moment. But we've, we have established nothing between these two men, and suddenly we're supposed to feel something between them. And David Washington reacts like he is in a much better film. He suddenly is almost crying and like the look on his face, and I was like, oh my God, he's an incredible actor. But he has nothing to work with in this film. But it was like a glimmer of like, oh, I want to see whatever this guy does next. He's so good. And, you know, like Robert Pattinson is always is just doing he's in a different film. That's what Robert Pattinson does, where he like he looks at the script and he's like, well, this isn't interesting. I'm going to be in a different movie. And <laughs> he's just being great. I think he's making fun of Christopher Nolan in this movie, which is very funny. Um, but, yeah, it, it felt like a parody of a Christopher <clears throat> Nolan film. And uh Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, up until possibly this film, I thought that you really liked Christopher Nolan movies. So what I've realized is I like Christopher Nolan sequences. So okay. Inception is Got a it. great example of that. It's, Inception is a, a movie that's a series of cool sequences. So like we have the hallway scene, obviously. We have the elevator scene up um, onto the beach. We have the train hitting the car. Like we, uh, there are these very cool ideas and cool moments but it doesn't ever ultimately fully stick the landing because it's not a fully coherent film. The character development really isn't there. Chris Nolan thinks it's enough in every film to be like, I have to get back to my son. And it's like, <laughs> it's not enough, dude. It's got, you gotta have some emotional heft. You got, you gotta have actually developed characters, especially your female characters. There's a scene in this where Kenneth Branagh spits on Elizabeth Debicki, and I was just like, why is this in this fucking... It, like, pissed me off. I was like, why did we need that moment? And I think it's supposed to be like, so now you really hate Kenneth Branagh, right? And it's like, once again, Christopher, that is not character development. To just have a random man spit on a woman, like, it's not... 
he's not a good writer sometimes. And I can tell you this much, he would not handle that note very well if you gave it to him. If you were just like, <laughs> I think you need help with your, your scripts. I don't think he would react well. So, and then finally, finally, everybody, a huge recommendation. Flight Attendant with Kaylee. Oh, yeah. Coco. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen it yet? Yes, I did. What do you think? Um, when I texted you, and was like, do I want to watch The Undoing or The Flight Attendant first? And I've seen The Flight Attendant and not The Undoing at all. Um, Good call. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I there was a there was there are little bits and bits and moments in the in the series where I was like, mm, this girl drinks a lot and oh, like yeah. doesn't have barely any repercussions of it. She's barely ever hung over in this movie, and I, that's because I I later convinced myself that she's just continuously drunk. Oh, I think that's she that's never has time to get a hangover. Yeah, well, I'm sorry when um, you said there were no consequences for her drinking in this film. I was like, but Charles, the entire series is about consequences of her drinking. Well. Yes, but like I mean, like in in day to day, she's just like completely functioning. The fact alcoholic. that she like maintains a job and yeah, yeah, and just like is stealing vodka from her job, and her friends just like, hey, don't do that. She's like, I'll do what I want, and they're like, okay. But also, do we not know people like this? Like, I feel like I, I I know I, unfortunately I many people like this. Like this. <laughs> um, but I did enjoy it. I very much like Kaylee Kyoko. Is that how you say your name? Yeah. I, so here's I the so. thing. I, like most people, just knew her from The Big Bang Theory, which is a terrible show. And mm. one of the first things I tweeted while watching Flight Attendant was, has Kelly Cuoco been this funny the whole time? Because she's fucking so talented. Have you ever seen any of her other sitcoms? No. What other sitcoms? Uh, she did um, 13 Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter nope. with John Ritter when he died. Nope. That was the that was the sitcom he was doing when he died. Um, that was uh, with, oh, God, what's her name? Peggy Bundy. Oh, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, she's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was she was in that show as well. That was, that was I watched that, I think I was in high school, but I was like, oh, this is funny. This is cute. Whatever. I, TV legends. Yay. Um, she was really funny in that. Um, and now I'm failing to think of anything else. I I've mean, that's okay. Cause I'll just tell you, I have literally seen her in nothing. I saw her like un- when I would unfortunately happen upon a few moments of the big bang theory and then be diving for the remote as quickly as possible. <laughs> so I, I associated her with a shitty show. So I was like, Oh, she must suck. And then I was watching flight attendant. And I was like, she's so good. She's so funny. She's so charming. She's an incredible dramatic actress. Listen, mm-hmm. I stand Kaylee Cuoco now. I will watch anything she's in moving forward. Uh, yeah, uh, she. I, I'm a fan of her. Like, she, I think that she on the episodes of The Big Bang Theory that I've seen, which is more than I'd like to admit, um, <clears throat> she's one of the highlights. She's funnier than all of the men on that show. So, a hundred percent. Um, and then also, let's just give it up for Rosie Perez and uh, oh yes, Zosha Mamet, Zosha moment. Mamet, um, David Mamet's daughter, um, the actress from Girls, she's so good in this as well. And um, listen, I know nepotism, but oh, nepotism right. is bad. But I am recommending David Washington and Zasha Mamet on this show. And Michelle Gomez. Oh yeah. Well, we we would know from oh, Sabrina, I guess. Oh my God, I am in love with her. I was like, who is this? I immediately went to her IMBD DB. Uh, 
page and I was like stalking her online. I am like fully <laughs> in love with her. She's so good. Um, well, when she was cast in Sabrina, Chris was very much like, oh my God, it's Michelle Gomez. And I was like, I don't know who that is. And then he would send me clips of the show that she was on Green Wing, which is like a better actual funny version of Scrubs. Oh, where okay, she plays interesting. A, she plays a very like bitchy kind very horny like doctor <gasps> who's in charge of everyone okay and it's so funny okay, well that sounds like the best thing that's ever been made so yeah, i'm gonna check should. that out yeah i I, I, I heartily recommend her too she's such a cool character on flight attendant um her acting's amazing i love the chemistry with her and kaylee cuoco yeah i stand flight attendant i it's like really interesting and smart in a very funny way and I don't know it's very watchable I really enjoyed it um yeah it's just different guys check it out I want to know what they're going to do for season two because like they planted some good seeds I'm excited yeah Mm. um but like everything also is like very nicely wrapped up pretty much yeah they could easily just call it and it would be like that was a great first season but I kind of hope they don't because I'm like oh I like these characters I want to see like oh yeah season two is already green great awesome um do you have any other recommendations I do. I have a couple I can just go through real quick because since since like the my show has been taking a break and also we're not doing indoor dining. So I can't I don't have a job again. <laughs> um, I have done kind of the opposite of what you've done and just fully dived into watching nothing but trash. Oh, no, no. And by trash, I mean, Charles, like, it's let me, re- like, let me say <laughs> before I seem like I'm up on any kind of high horse. I watch Bravo all day. Uh, And then I'll watch like a movie at night, but I watch trash 90% of the day. Uh, All right. Uh, I'm just, this is my recommendations are fully just garbage. Love it. Um, it. Oh, real quick. uh, They announced yesterday that uh, Mean Girls, my favorite Broadway show ever is closing. I know. I I thought about you and I almost sent, I saw that like the breaking news and I almost like tagged you. And then I was like, why would you tag him in bad news? So, so many other people I did know, though. So thank I you figured, for not. I'm like, he's going to hear about it. I don't want to be the person who's oh, like, did you see this like bad thing that's going to make you sad? You know? Yeah. So RIP Mean uh, Girls. The movie's still coming out. They're still putting it out in London. It's still a touring show, but it's not going to be on Broadway anymore. Sad. RIP. Um, I, now this one, I think that. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it. Probably not because it's a new recent discovery for me. Um, it is a show on Animal Planet called uh, My Big Fat Pet Makeover. <laughs> no. Um, it came out in 2017, apparently. There's only six episodes. All six episodes in full are available on YouTube, so you don't have to have cable to watch them. But it's a show, It's such a weird, wholesome show about fat, fat pets. Oh, my God. And this guy coming in and, like, giving the owners, like, an exercise plan and a diet. And then showing back up a couple months later to be like, hey, did your, did your pet lose any weight? Um, I'm watching it mainly to watch fat cats and dogs roll around living room floors. There's just nothing better than a fat <laughs> pet. And here's my question. Where do we stand as like woke liberals on the issue of fat shaming animals? Oh, I fully like right to their face. Oh, what a, but what in, a bold but in like a, stance. But in, okay. But in a fun way. I guess I do that. Like a- I, you know, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, well, one of my nicknames for Desmond is Chunky Bud. So, <laughs> and Thunderass. So I think I do also fat shame my cat. He doesn't seem to mind it, though. 
No, I, if anything, you're just giving him attention. Yeah, and also and I, the, I can't stress it enough. The horrible rotted things that I say to Harley <laughs> oh, I, all the time, and she like, but in the sweetest like, she thinks she's getting a compliment, but I'm like, you are a terrible burden on my life. Oh, I do I that can, all the time, where I'm like, you ruined my life. Yes, you have. You ruined everything <laughs> like, I own. Yes. Yeah. Give me a treat, please. Um. Yeah, I you know I love I love a fat cat. There's just nothing mm. better. So it's not really fat shaming. It's more like fat celebration. Yeah. I would like more fat animals in my life, please. 100%. Um, love that recommendation. Um, so there's that. Um, I uh, The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Ooh. I'm a few, I'm like maybe two, three episodes behind. But whew, whew, I it's batshit. And in the weirdest, not... Not in a regular Real Housewives way, a really weird, odd way. And I, the thing is, I can't remember, for some reason, any of these women's names ever. No, and I still confuse the brunettes. Like, and yeah. I don't know if it's just going to click after the first season, but like, I'm constantly like, which one is that? Which one? And the only one I know is Mary. Uh, Mary, the woman who married her grandfather. Correct. And then I know, I don't, again, I don't know her name, but I know that she's different from everyone else. The uh, only other Mormon pioneer lady. color on the cast, you mean? No, oh. I, I mean, I know who that oh, is, but oh, I don't oh, know her oh, name. The blonde. Yeah, she's like she owns like the. Yeah, the I like Whitney. Whitney. I like Whitney a salon. lot. Yeah. She's like, uh, and then the the girl who's dealing with her dad's uh, alcohol and drug addiction. That's Whitney. Whitney's Listen, the blonde. It, oh, no. Then I'm thinking of the other one. The other blonde. The one with the long blonde hair. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the other blonde. blonde. The, one, the one with all the children. Yeah, they're, they're cousins, right? The two blondes. Possible. I mean, sure. We can yeah, just yeah. say that. <laughs> the, the odds Guys, are, it's yes. all very confusing. Oh, Charles, sh- have you seen the Real Housewives of Potomac reunion? No, I just started watching Potomac okay. from the beginning when I found out that it was like streaming in its entirety on Hulu. Please text me I'm, immediately when you get to the three-part reunion because I feel like I aged the most recent one? a decade watching it. Yeah, yeah, the most recent one. I did watch the New York one and that was great. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ramona Fulving being called out by the entire cast. So funny. Was just amazing. I was so good. Um, She's like, oh, I, I went to Florida and I went to Florida and I didn't have to wear my mask and I was in Florida with my with my daughter and my ex husband and it's fine and I came back to New York and it's great. It was and like so that good. didn't address any any of the issues, Ramona, that people are having with you. If you think that's funny, uh, on the Real Housewives of Orange County, <laughs> Shannon. Um, are you caught up with that at all? Orange County. You don't watch no, Orange never, County, right? I don't, okay. I don't watch Orange County. So she, I'm slowly like dipping my toes. It's been a year, years long process, but dipping my toes into different housewives eventually because I've run out of episodes of Beverly Hills to watch. That's the only reason I and, ever branch out into the other shows. I just run out of episodes. I might watch Dallas. I don't know. But anyway, um, Shannon is a big hypochondriac and... She's like terrified of COVID, obviously. And her she has three young daughters who went to a party with like 30 unmasked kids Eek. and came home and Shannon got COVID. And she rips into her children in front of the cameras in such a funny way where she's just like she tells them that i i thought it was really funny because they're not super young and she also like warned them and she was like mommy has pre-existing conditions and you have to think of me and like they still went to this party so it was a little bit like fuck you little bitches you know 
but um mm-hmm. <laughs> she she's like i tested positive and they were like oh no mom you're gonna be okay you're strong you're gonna get through this it's nobody's fault and she like pauses and she goes mm-hmm. well it's somebody's fault <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I like that response a lot. And she's just like, let's not go there. That's what she says. She goes, let's not let's go not there, okay? Because somebody went to a party with 30 of their goddamn little sons of bitches friends and nobody wore a fucking mask. So it is kind of funny where it's like, she's fine. She's fine now. But like... I don't understand like what is going on in California with these like influencer super spreader events that just keep happening for the last 10 months. I mean, part of the calculation is probably we're rich and we'll be fine. And they're right. <laughs> I, but like the like when you have the governor or the mayor or someone literally shutting down the power to someone's house and like everyone getting you know what's weird is that like there's this whole I'm not sure you've probably seen it gaze against COVID thing oh yeah like shaming all the people who went to Puerto Vallarta yeah. it's not happening at the same level of these influencers no. I was like we can like none of these sure I'm sure a bunch of these gay dudes have like OnlyFans and like are supporting like diarrhea tea on Instagram or whatever. Um, but then you have inst- like the actual influencers, the mega influencers, James Charles, um, the, you know, that whole kind of group of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like no one's going after them in the same way. And I'm like, they have a much greater reach and influence. So why, why are we not calling these people out who like, it's a really good they'll question. go to a party. Yeah. Go to a party, apologize. Go to another party, apologize. Go to another party, apologize. Like, what? Why? Why? Yeah. Why are we doing this? Uh, uh, any other recommendations? Um, to uh, just get to get through the rest of them real quick. Big Mouth Season 4, yep. Bridgerton Season 1, and the new season of Drag Race that just started. Ooh. Mm. I'm going to have to disagree on Bridgerton. Do you? Mm-hmm. It's trash. Oh, no. It's trash. It's not good. Sorry, it's it was trash. Bridgerton, and what was the other one? Big Mouth Season 4? No, the other one. Drag race. Drag race. Um, so here's something I've had to come to terms with, and I'm not proud of it, and I really want to preface the hell out of it because mm-hmm. I so respect her as a creator and just um, uh, head bitch in charge and everything she's created, and I'm just like in awe of her work ethic, and I just think she's an incredible creator. Um, Shonda Rhimes is not for me, baby. I find anything she's involved with to be incredibly redundant and boring. And it's just... You never enjoyed any of her shows? Nope. Not one. <laughs> I, I tried Grey's Anatomy and I was like, this dumb. And I couldn't do it. I don't, I don't care about it. I, and I just think it's because I don't vibrate on that frequency. Um, okay. that's sort of like highly, highly dramatic human interest drama is like not for me. Um, the long monologues that like no human being would ever actually say in their real life. I, I just like roll my eyes the whole time. But even within that, it's like, uh, Sandra O oh is incredible. And like, I really enjoyed watching her act and like, but I was still like, I don't like this show, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I always have to preface it cause people are like, but don't you respect Shonda? And it's like, I respect Shonda enormously. Like, I just think she's incredible and so inspirational. She's just never made anything that I've ever personally connected with. I was so bored during Bridgerton I like truly it was a struggle for me to get through every episode really Mm -hmm. 
were you ever did you ever watch gossip girl no i again like it's not for me there's just certain shows that some mm. people adore like buffy gossip girl um oh gossip girl buffy uh, yeah 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 buffy amazing gossip girl trash but had to watch it gilmore girls and this is that same kind of thing gilmore girls is another one where i'm just like okay I, i'm bored i'm bored i'm bored i in, in the Shondaland universe of things, I was never a Grey's person, but I was very much here for Scandal. And the, only the first few seasons of How to Get Away with Murder. So Scandal's another one off. where I was like watching it and I'm like, wow, Carrie Washington's amazing. Amazing. She's like an amazing actress. So charismatic. What a star. Gorgeous. Um, but again, I, I get bored. Mm, you know? Okay. I can see that. Yeah, and I like, listen, it's probably a character flaw of mine. I recognize that. But I want to be like very careful whenever I'm like, I don't like Bridgerton. And people are like, Bachanda. And I'm like, I, I get it. I get why you like it. I get why I'm you connect with it. That's great. I just, there's something, uh, I'm broken maybe. Where like, I just don't connect with the characters. I don't care. Um Maybe you just don't like that kind of like dramatic cliffhangery show. Yeah, I just don't think it's for me. Um, it either has to be like a comedy or super dark or like something super weird. But that sort of middle lane of like, it's a drama about relationships and everybody's in a corset. I'm a little like. And everyone's terrible. Everyone's terrible. Um, um, I don't care if they're all I, terrible. Like, man, maybe if they were a little I'm, more terrible, I'd like it. I don't think I'm viewing Bridgerton as a drama. I think I'm watching it thinking that it's a comedy because I think it's so funny. But you know what I mean? Like, In, like it's the worst way. It's yeah, dramatic yeah. things that are happening. Like, is she pregnant? Who's her real mm-hmm. father? Like, stuff like that, you know, where I'm just like, mm-hmm. I don't care. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Um, but... Again, very glad everybody's having fun with it. Um, you know, people really seem to enjoy it. So I'm happy for people. Hmm. Um, and, uh, oh, uh, the newest season of Drag Race that just started is, uh, I'm, I'm, it's the one competition reality show that I will watch every single season regardless. I've watched it from the very first season. All the all-stars, all the, the stupid holiday special that was just a commercial. Love it. Season 13 is the first season I think ever that I for because I'm usually fully always team New York, like whatever queens are there from New York. I usually know most of them, if not all of them, they're friends of mine. I'm very excited right. that they're on the show. This could be the first season where I'm like, mm, I don't like any of you people. Oh, um, and that's only to say like that you don't like you know them personally and you're like, I don't like that person or you're just like, I don't know them and I have no connection with them. Of the four New York girls this season, um, one of them I don't like personally uh, from the bar. She's been terrible uh, more than once. And then people think that she's like this amazing, talented person. I'm like, no, she's really obnoxious and she's not talented. Um, But okay. Um, The other one uh, is racist. And I'm waiting for that shoe to drop. I'm waiting for that shoe to drop. Do you remember when we went out for my birthday that one year, and we left a bar because the drag queen coming on was a racist. Yes. That was who that was. Oh, she's on the show. My God! And I think at the time too, you were like, "They might be on Drag Race." Yeah, yeah. We need wow. to get the fuck out of here. <gasps> um, so that's that queen. Um, another one. She's uh, part of a singing group that I enjoy. I enjoy one member of that singing group, and that person is not on the show. 
Okay. Um, and then the fourth person is has been doing drag for less than a year or year and a half, so I don't know them, so I can't. But if I had to pick one, it'd be the one who I don't know. I, I've heard that is a criticism of like the trajectory of Drag Race. Have you found that like more and more they're casting people who have not been doing drag very long? Um, there's always one or two per season. It depends on where they come from. Um, like Valentina was hugely popular and had only when they were cast uh, been doing drag for 10 months. Wow. I see. I think one or two queens who haven't been doing it that long, that's sort of interesting because it's like, well, they're not experienced. So like maybe that will be like an interesting dynamic. And sometimes it is. Um, but you can tell who is new to drag and like very much like trying to do good makeup and good performing and good yeah, costumes yeah. and who is new to drag who just their family or their sugar daddy has a lot of money Ooh, yeah right so they've been like oh i have all these amazing costumes these elaborate things that obviously cost thousands of dollars and i've been doing drag for less than a year and right. everyone's like okay so that's not how most drag queens become successful, but all right. Get the fuck out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Guys, we have been doing the pop culture section for an hour, so it's Holy time shit. to move on. Guys, it's that time of the show. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here's your bad news. So. Obviously, we need to talk about the attempted coup at the Capitol that happened on Wednesday. Um, I I guess the, the main point that I really wanted to harp on during this discussion is this was not a security failure because I've seen that repeated everywhere on Twitter by many, many journalists where they were like, there needs to be an investigation about this security failure. And it was clear pretty early on that there were definitely probably sympathetic individuals working in law enforcement who either looked the other way or didn't take the threat as seriously or were actively collaborating with some of the protesters. Mm. And then lo and behold, uh, footage started to come out of police officers opening the gates for the, <laughs> the mob and uh, posing for selfies with them. And then, you know, there was this anecdotal evidence coming out from a, uh, one of the, the rioters who was saying that they asked a Capitol Police officer where Chuck Schumer's office was and he attempted to direct them to it. So mm. yeah, it was just very clear early on that, you know, those of us who have been, I, I really don't want to be the person who's like, we've been telling you guys this for, for decades, but um, those of us who uh, I'm not a journalist anymore, but my beat was uprisings and right-wing extremism and it was just clear for many 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 years that white supremacists are the biggest threat to security in this country and it wasn't just left-wing activists saying that it was like the fbi and the department of homeland security like it was just a well-known thing that there are growing militias in this country who are accruing uh, more and more weapons and becoming more and more isolated and paranoid 
And it was just a powder keg. And it was clear that something bad was going to happen. And then McVeigh happened. Um, and, you know, Ruby Ridge and these, like, quote-unquote isolated events that weren't really isolated. And now this happened. And for people who weren't paying attention or didn't think white people were capable of this level of violence, it was a shocking thing for them. But it wasn't very shocking for those of us who have been paying attention. Um, but even having said that, there were still shocking moments. Like it was a shocking thing to see uh, police tear gassing the Capitol and one of the rioters hanging from the Capitol balcony, someone posing at Nancy Pelosi's desk. Like there was very, it was a very bizarre thing to watch happen in real time. Um, as of this recording, five people are dead. Um, one woman was shot by Capitol Police. Um, a police officer died. It's, it's not clear exactly um, how Officer Signick died, um, but he responded to the mob. And then when he got back to uh, his precinct, he collapsed and was rushed to the hospital and he died. Um, one woman was trampled to death one of the the protesters and the others died from from medical conditions that that occurred during the riot um here's how you know there were collaborators in the capitol police the mob was allowed to leave the capitol after they did their mob thing <laughs> Mm -hmm. And there was footage of some of them hanging out at a hotel lobby afterwards. Uh, and I know yep. that people have like, this is just sort of like uh, eye rollingly um, commonplace at this, at this point, like everybody has pointed this out at this, at this point, but I think it is important to keep pointing it out. If you contrast the police response to say like black lives matter <laughs> at the Capitol, there's that like infamous photo of the cops in their full riot gear on the steps of the Capitol, um, guarding it like a fucking fortress versus opening the gates for the pro-Trump mob. It's just immediately clear who the cops sympathize with, right? Black people and, and black allies are always, always, always seen as a threat. And white mobs are always, always seen as allies, right? Like, or not a real threat. Um, right. And and there's, you know, more anecdotal evidence of um, cops and, and like military like flashing their badges or identification at uh, police officers like they have this brotherhood thing going on that is not imagined or a conspiracy theory. Um, the, the cops sympathize with many of the protesters and listen i would never like have crazy eyes and be like it's all police officers right but there was this assumption made by the protesters that they could safely enter the capitol raid it um steal shit there was photographic evidence of at least one protester who had zip ties which means they were going to take hostages Mm -hmm. they had this assumption that they could enter safely 
do their thing and they would not be bothered. Why do you think they made that assumption? They knew there were people on the inside who were going to let them do it. Mm-hmm. They knew. I'm su- I'm surprised. Like I'm not okay. I'm not surprised that there were a lot of police that didn't do shit. I'm surprised that the Secret Service didn't react more heavily. So they claim that they asked um, if DC needed assistance with more National Guards. Um, right. The National Guard at least asked them, "Do you need more of us?" And they were told no. Oh. And then I have also heard that the in- intelligence community um, d- didn't think it was going to be as big <laughs> as it was. Now, it would never be beyond my scope of, of belief to, to hear that the intelligence community had a failure. But there were probably also a lot of people who were just looking the other way. You know, like there were bombs found at the RNC and the DNC. They found a bag full of Molotov cocktails. It is very difficult for me to believe that they didn't pick up on any of that chatter because these guys are not very smart. They don't have any kind of sophisticated communication system going on. You know, like they're for sure like texting and calling and emailing each other. And like there are ways that, especially if you contrast this with how heavily the the intelligence community surveilled Occupy Wall Street, like <laughs> Occupy protesters were not allowed to carry signs on poles because poles could be used as weapons. Like that was the level of scrutiny that Occupy had to withstand. So it's like, don't tell me the intelligence community can't crack down you know like they definitely can if it's a left-wing movement if it's a right-wing movement they tend to look the other way but also i would not be surprised if it was like they just fucked up you know have you seen um uh this i i, I wish i knew this woman's name but uh, this video of a reporter entering like during the big entrance of all the people and she turns to the cops who are just lining the hallways watching people walk in and she's like asking a question or something. And then she reveals to the police officer that she's press. And he's like, press? Oh, you, you can't be in here. And kind of like tries to shoo her away. Yeah. And they also arrested a journalist. Like, that's the thing. Like, they will arrest people if you are a left-wing activist, if you are a person of color, if you are um, media. media. They like, they'll come for you. So, yeah, it's important to remember, like, who law enforcement and the intelligence community perceives as a threat. Um But yeah, it's like, listen, I don't want the cops to kill people. I don't want, you know, like I'm not celebrating or hoping for anything like that. But it was just very, very obvious that there is a lot of, there are many white supremacists in the law enforcement community. They're very sympathetic to the pro-Trump crowd. They're actively working with them. So, sorry. A lot of them are pro-Trump themselves. Very pro-Trump. So, I don't know if you saw this. Over at Business Insider, um, they spoke with three officials on Thursday morning So a French police official responsible for public security in a key section of central Paris, two intelligence officials from NATO countries who directly work in counterterrorism and counterintelligence operations involving the U.S. terrorism in Russia. So these sources told 
Business Insider and other sources um, said similar things to Politico, that there is circumstantial evidence um, to what could be openly called a coup attempt in mm -hmm. any other nation. Um, so they believe that Trump deliberately attempted a coup and and we're seeing more and more evidence of this <laughs> we're hearing about him like calling uh elected officials and basically being like change your vote to, because they were while all this was happening there was a ceremonial vote happening where they just basically like put a bow on it where they're like here are the electoral votes Biden is president, but like the deed is done. So this was just like a ceremonial thing that Trump's dumbass supporters were like attempting to stop. Mm -hmm. There's a rally that happens right before this where Trump is basically like, go give them hell. And then Giuliani calls <laughs> for a trial by combat. And then these yeah, that was fucking lunatics that. march to the Capitol and like kick in the front door. So if that wasn't enough and evidence also, for you that they were inciting violence, Trump was also trying to like hustle behind the scenes. So it was absolutely a coup attempt. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what's who's who's that Pennsylvania guy? Holly or Hawkley? Holly. Yeah. That, that tall son of a bitch. Um, he was doing the same same thing at the same rally, wasn't he? It was Holly and Cruz were the two big ones. And by the way, both of them mm. also thought they had a future as president. I have bad news for you. Um, Probably not no more. But yeah. I never want to see Ted Cruz run for president again. Ugh. But they really both I like thought... hitched their dreams to Trump's star, you know, and now that Trump's going down, that's that's part of the reason they fought so hard, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I really thought um, that T Ted Cruz growing a beard would make him less creepy. Nope. Got worse. To me. It got worse. Nope. It's definitely worse. Even covering up most of that face. Mm -hmm. It's just, I can't, I can't. There's something about well obviously he's evil but there's just something about every time i look at him i'm like oh you sleazy slimy son of a bitch i know and and, and he's the, a zodiac killer so it gets even worse and that too obviously and then what's the what's his name again the tall one Hawley? holly 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 um him uh he is going to be dangerous yeah so i've been saying for a while that the thing we really have to be scared of, of is the next fascist who's like just mildly competent and like sort of handsome, like a five or a six in a suit and can string together some like coherent thoughts and inspire loyalty and like the right people. Cause Trump as dangerous as Trump is and was, and as much damage as his administration did, he was like a pathetic bumbling authoritarian you know where like he didn't inspire loyalty in his cabinet we see that right now with them the rats <laughs> jumping ship as fast as they can uh that's i but All honestly resigning. honestly that's part of the reason the coup didn't work because if he had inspired loyalty in these people they would have like battened down the hatches and and it would have been a hundred times worse but yeah like holly's a good example of somebody who I mean, don't don't get me wrong. He's still an idiot. I think there could potentially be much more dangerous fascists um, in the pipeline. But he's an example of like he's like a little more respectable, you know. Um, so yeah, I would say dangerous. I I, I think it's going to be he and the um, uh, Cawthorn. 
are going to be very, very dangerous coming up, especially because they are like younger white guys who like most people would be like, oh, he's handsome and they're kind of charming and they're kind of getting back into that aspect of politics where it's just like, oh, this is someone who could be on the poster of something and they can say all the evil shit that they want. But look at the face. Look at look. Look at them. They're so handsome. My my like bold prediction, my nightmare prediction is like in my head when I keep describing the the real threat is our first female president is going to be a fascist. Interesting. And would why would you why do you think? Well, because I think our first female president will be a Republican. Because that will be the only um, version of a woman that many men would feel comfortable voting for. So you think that Biden is going to survive all four years? I think even if he doesn't, um, the the way our government is set up, the Democrats won't be able to be effective in their leadership, even though they now control everything. everything. Um, and everything is so bad right now with the pandemic and the economy that they ultimately will be blamed for everything that's going to happen and mm-hmm. uh, will not win the next election. And when we do finally get a female president, she'll be a fascist. Any any names on the horizon that you're thinking? So, of course, I always think of Nikki Haley, but I, I'm like even thinking like more of a, a nightmare scenario than Nikki Haley. Maybe not even a name we know yet. Um, oh, okay. but yeah, I do think barring like, you know, Biden suddenly dying or something and, and Kamala becoming president by default, our country's so racist and, um, Trump supporters now feel incredibly emboldened by what happened at the Capitol. They really, really see themselves as victims who are under attack right now. And they're going to rally in a, a really aggressive way. How do you feel about the, like, I mean, it's just like rumblings. I'm not sure that that's actually really going to happen. But the second civil war that people are like, oh, it's happening. Like they're going to rally and they're going to fucking. I mean, I have news for people. It, it's been happening for 20 years. <laughs> like, Right. But like the like the official like trying to secede and be like, they have off, been trying to secede. There's been like petitions and like it's happening. Mm-hmm. It's happening right now. Like they've been they've been trying to get it going. And they've been building a lot of momentum and the internet played a, a huge part in them recruiting. So it is, it's happening. It's just, it's not, it doesn't look like the original civil war. So it's difficult to recognize that it's happening, but it, it okay. is happening right now. It's been happening. They just invaded the Capitol. We're living in the second civil war. Yeah. It is happening. It's happening. Mm-hmm. Guys, stop what you're doing. It's happening. Um, and then in hindsight, like 50 years from now, we'll look back and be like, oh, yeah, that was it. But when you're in it, sometimes it, it's difficult because we don't go to war in, in the ways that we used to, you know. But, um, right. yeah, this is an insurrection. This is guerrilla warfare. There were multiple cells activated on Wednesday. It wasn't just at the D.C. Capitol. It was also in Kansas and, and various places across the country. They mobilized at the same time. They were communicating with each other. It's happening. There are guerrilla cells all over the country in, in many rural communities, but also cities as well, where they have amassed huge amounts of weapons. They know how to build bombs. You know, like, 
it it's currently happening and i'm glad that people are waking up to it i wish it didn't take them invading the capital for them to take it seriously but mm-hmm. again at least one guy had zip ties so they they were going to kill people if they had the opportunity you know um at least take hostages they at least were intending to do that but they also had bombs and Molotov just, cocktails. So they were like, they were willing to like go the distance, you know? I I think they they were going to like capture people. And I fully thought that we were going to see an execution. I did too. I also thought there was that crazy, crazy uh, footage of the, uh, um, the, congr- or the Capitol Police barricading the door and they had their guns drawn. And I was like, oh, yeah. they're full. I mean, they did kill um that woman but i thought they were going to kill a lot more people because i thought they were going to have to kill a lot more people frankly i yeah i i I thought they weren't necessarily going to like the people who were invading i didn't think that they were going to necessarily get their hands on a senator or a congressperson um but i thought if they like grabbed someone's like aid or something they were going to make a big show about that yeah and honestly i think maybe they would have um but yeah, so I also wanted to talk about this guy who's just at Ali on Twitter, and he's claiming to be the organizer of the January 5th event. Um, he started March to Save America. So he tweeted that he was, he organized this event with three representatives. So Representative Goser, Representative Mo Brooks, and Representative Andy Biggs from Arizona, at least according to At Ali, he had the full cooperation of at least three elected congressional representatives. And also the Arizona Republicans tweeted, um, they retweeted Ali and basically said something like, He's willing to die for this, are you? <laughs> uh, mm, mm. So anybody, again, anybody who's like, I don't know, was it a coup attempt? Yes. There were people on the inside. Uh, there was another fucking West Virginian representative, an anti-choice extremist named Derek Evans, who is now under federal investigation because he live streamed himself storming the Capitol, you guys. <laughs> so yes, it was absolutely a coup attempt. Come on. Like it is time so, to believe. So emboldened that like they weren't like wearing anything to hide their identities. No, they thought they thought uh, it was happening, guys. They thought yeah. it was happening and they felt totally empowered and emboldened to do this because they know there's not going to be any consequences or at least at the time they believed there would be no consequences because they knew they had sympathetic allies on the inside yeah and now they're just slowly getting arrested one by one at least the ones who are like famous the ones whose faces were plastered everywhere yeah and we should say Um, with all of this happening this is also what happened in the Capitol was also likely a super spreader event. So on top <laughs> of everything else, there was a biological warfare aspect to this because you know these fucking idiots weren't wearing masks. 
So how many congressional leaders have now been exposed to COVID? You know, they were all like crouched under their desks, seeking shelter, scrambling for, for gas masks um, that apparently are under their seats, which was interesting to learn. But um, yeah, so now we have this other potential layer where it's like, People could die, you know, from being exposed to the virus during all of this. Yeah, I am. I'm also a little bit ashamed of the LGBT community because when uh, what's his face with the uh, Viking horns and the tattoos and the hairy chest was plastered everywhere. Everyone was like, yes, this is terrible. But like he could get it. And I was like, he is a Nazi. He could not get anything. I just wish. What are you talking about? I so wish we could like do away with like that kind of response. But also anytime a Democrat does anything like sort of responsible or coherent, people being like, yes, daddy, like Andrew Cuomo (laughs) or fucking like even Steve Kornacki, people being like, yes, Uh fuck me. I'm like. Do you mm-hmm. operate on any other kind of level where, like, why do you immediately have to be like, I'll suck your dick if somebody is, like, smart in your presence, you know? <laughs> Some people are attracted to intelligence. Uh, I guess. But also the bar is so low. Like, if you're going to do that, like, if you're going to, like, pimp yourself out, at least demand more, you know? Yeah. Some people are just really obsessed with Andrew Cuomo's nipples, piercings Ew, or not. Oh, sick. Um, Oh, so I wanted to talk about the rats jumping ship truly in the last hour. (laughs) Betsy DeVos, obviously Elaine Cho, the transportation secretary, Mick Mulvaney, Trump's former acting chief of staff. He's now special or he was special envoy to Northern Ireland, resigned as well. Um, Matthew Poninger, uh, deputy national security advisor. Uh, John Costello, one of the most senior cybersecurity officials. Stephanie Grisham, former White House press secretary, chief of staff to Melania Trump. Uh, <laughs> Ricky Nassetta, former Washington event planner. Sarah Matthews, deputy White House press secretary. I'm sure there are more that I'm missing. I'm sure. Don't just like, fucking mm. applaud these people. They, this is 100% brand management. These fucking assholes all know they're going to have to get jobs after this, and they want to be able to say, I stood up out of principle. And it's like, no, you were a fucking collaborator for four With years. With less than two weeks left. Less than two weeks left. You suddenly grew a conscience, right? That's what you're telling us. Fuck off. Fuck off forever. You're a collaborator. We have to remember that forever, you know? And don't fucking give these people a pass. Absolutely not. I I mean, they're going to get them. They have friends um, who are going to give them jobs. Or they just come from rich families and they don't need to work. They just wanted to ruin uh, the country. Um, but, I th- yeah, it's, it's definitely an optics thing. And being like, I... Like, what... Like, really, you couldn't have just stuck to your guns and been like, yes, I was terrible for four years and I stayed till the entire thing. Two weeks doesn't give you credit for anything. Yeah, well, that's why I'm like, it's just brand management because they recognize the Trump administration was a disaster. Um, They did irreparable damage to the GOP. The GOP might be dead at this point. And that's not me saying, therefore, the right isn't a threat. I think they're a bigger threat than ever. But I think what we're seeing is the the total 
um, decay and death of the traditional political parties, both the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. And I think that is why we're seeing a much more liberal and a much more conservative country emerging from all of this. Hence, civil war number two, right? Um, but from the ashes of the GOP, we're going to see, um, obviously, fascists emerge, uh, conspiracy theorists. Uh, we see that already, right, with like QAnon. Things are mm -hmm. going to get much more extreme, much more militia activity. But... Yeah, I think the the old the grand old party is dying and a large part of the reason they're dying is that the Trump administration was a fucking disaster. Total disaster. So these people are jumping ship now because they're like fuck 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 fuck. I don't want to be associated with this bad brand forever, you know? And it's it's so weird to like watch in the last few weeks watch this like pussyfooting around with like Oh, the coup was bad, but Trump is great. But I don't agree with Trump, but I do agree with Trump. And like them trying to figure out what their base wants from them. Yeah. Is really laughable at this point. It is indeed. Like every other, every other tweet or every other sentence is contradicting what they just said. Right. Guys, on that note, that's enough of the bad. We got to get to some good. Here's your good news. <laughs> of the good news had to do with what was happening at the Capitol. The whole reason the mob showed up there was they certified Biden's victory. So they, they did the final thing they needed to do, right, to make it official. So I'm putting that in the good news section. I also think it was hugely important and significant that even though it happened eight hours uh, past when it was supposed to happen, Congress came back and they finished the vote. I think that was really important. I think it needed to happen that day, and they did it that I'm day. Surprised. So that was great. Good on them. Um, and also, by the way, I don't want to downplay uh, the bravery that took because I'm sure it was extremely scary to be at the Capitol that day, not understanding like what the scope of what was happening would be. Uh, maybe some of those representatives fully thought a mob was about to break in and execute them. So. I do applaud the representatives for coming back and voting and, I, and good I on them. I fully would not have blamed them, though, if they had been like, uh, I'm going to take the night. Yeah. I'm going to take the next uh, 12 hours for myself. I'm going to go home. That was a really scary thing that happened. And also, now they know the Capitol Police, some of them aren't really interested in protecting them. So that had to be super fucking scary as well. Like, if you're a person of color uh, who's a representative, you were probably like, well, fuck. You know, I guess you guys are just going to let them in, you know? It's probably not it's super easy with unions and shit, but I want to know how many fucking Capitol Police officers are on the chopping block if they haven't already been fired. Yeah, well, you know, they're saying that they're going to investigate it, but it's like, who the hell knows? And also, by the way, if I was a police officer who was not a Trump sympathizer, I would be really fucking pissed off right now because like... I would be too. Officer Sicknick is dead from this. So it's like, if you don't sympathize with the white supremacists, you got to get serious about purging these fucking racists from your ranks. If you don't agree with them, get serious about expelling them from, from, you know, the force, because otherwise these assholes are actively collaborating 
with terrorists. And just like just like imagine like having being at work and having just a passing relationship with these uh, people who are hired to protect you. And you're like, you know, good morning, whatever. Like maybe pol- pol- uh, political opinions aside, like you're just kind of coworkers and you're there for a reason. And then to find out that they fully don't have your back at all. And they're just like, uh, you want to, you get big old zip ties right this way. Just come right through this hallway. Yeah, you're like, over there. You're a person of color it. and you're a police officer. At what point are you going to put aside the fact that you're like on the same team to be like, hey, quick question. Do you think I'm a human being worthy of equal rights? Because I feel <laughs> mm-hmm. like I should know that as your work colleague, you know, like Possibly. where do yeah. you stand on that issue? Um, but anyway, so... Good on, good on Congress for coming back and, and certifying that. Also, in good news, the fact that the Democrats now control all uh, branches of government. If they fuck this up, Woo-woo. here's the thing. There's no coming back. Like, they need to push in the next hundred days like there is no fucking tomorrow and i can tell Mm -hmm. you what absolutely cannot happen they cannot have an outdoor inauguration after what happened at the capitol they would be fucking stupid to have to have biden and kamala outside Mm -hmm. and i know it's going to be an optics conversation i know somebody in the room is going to say we can't show fear and i understand why that would be the impulse you cannot have them outside right now. No. From a security standpoint, a mob just invaded the Capitol. So we know law enforcement can't be trusted, right? He can't be outside. No. And like if like if they decide to do that, can you just imagine the feeling of being like, all right, I'm going on stage to accept my presidency. I also might fully die right now. Yeah, like, I, oh, please. I'm sure Biden doesn't want to be outside. I'm sure Kamala doesn't want to be outside. Like, let's just not fucking tempt fate at this point. I know everybody wants to have a big-ass party. We'll have a big-ass party later. Just swear him in, President Johnson style, in front of, like, five people, um, mm. and just be fucking done with it and hustle they got to push the next hundred days they got to get two thousand dollar checks out to everyone minimum it should have been two thousand dollars a month but you know we can cross that bridge when we come to it they got to start reversing some of the most damaging immigration policies that were passed under the trump administration they got to pass bold reform when it comes to health care they have to pass bold reform when it comes to to labor um increasing minimum wage federally they need to think huge especially right now they cannot be a small c conservative in their strategizing and i hope i hope i hope i hope there are enough people in the room who anytime somebody preaches triangulation or moderation says shut the fuck up that's (laughs) not why we were elected in this moment it is a catastrophe in this country right now there's a full-ass pandemic happening um Mm. even if you don't want to be if you don't want to admit uh that you're scared of being assassinated during your inauguration you can just be like covid covid that's why we're inside that's why there's only six people in this room 100 percent. just COVID. if you don't want to if you don't want to give the image of caving to the terrorists i get that 100 percent. just say we don't want it to be another super spreader event we're the ones who actually care if you live or die we don't want to expose people to a deadly virus 
Please watch from home. We're going to do a small ceremony, 100%. If that's how you want to frame it, he cannot be outside right now. <laughs> nope, not great. He can't please be. Uh, please don't do that. So also in good news, finally happened, everybody. Speaking of uh, in the last hour when you should have done it four years ago, possibly longer ago, Twitter mm -hmm. banned Trump permanently. Um, he, uh, they, it was magical to watch. So here's the thing. It was very cathartic. I'm glad we all got to experience it together. Many of us have been too late. way, way too late. Also, it's being framed as Twitter being like, oh, we were afraid he was using the platform for like, they were afraid, they said, of a second attack after the Capitol because Trump was just like losing his mind as he does on Twitter. And that's not what happened. <laughs> What actually happened was hundreds of Twitter employees um, approached management and were like, we're the reason the Capitol attack happened. And they basically were like, we will quit unless you ban him. So it was, Oh, I did not hear you. Yeah, that. yeah. They, they like organized and they were basically like, they, they approached the CEO, you know, Dorsey and, and, and the board. And they were like, we feel we, uh, have an obligation at this point to permanently ban him because our platform was used by radicals to organize this event. And again, radicals have been using Twitter since Twitter was invented. So it's like, y'all just discovered this now, but regardless, but all the Nazis are fine. We can keep all the Nazis fine. because you know, uh, we need our user, user numbers. So our stock doesn't fall, but you know, it is still significant that so many employees uh, approached management to be like, we have to do something. And is it too late? Yes. Is it not enough? Obviously. But he's banned. He's banned. They did ban him. Now, and then to watch just like all the other accounts I know, that's... get like snatched down too. Be like, nope, nope. Sorry, dude. So that's what I was going to say. So Trump loses his mind when he gets banned. He immediately goes to his other POTUS account starts just like copying and pasting the tweets from his <laughs> it's so funny and then he went now it's unclear if he was logging into these accounts and posting on his own or if people were posting the same tweets on his behalf right but uh so what were the other accounts uh at white uh, house the POTUS account yeah uh, uh white house the white house one is back up i think okay well i think it, it has um, to be because I think one of his chiefs of staff or something like tried to let, like they changed their yeah. name to Donald oh, Trump and they were, was Twitter also, was like, nope. Uh, team Trump. Mm -hmm. At Team Trump. I'm, I'm surprised that they like, do they still have like Flotus? Is Ivanka, like was Ivanka just like, dad, no, I'm, you can't be on my Twitter. Well, that I'm was sorry. a joke everybody was making where they were like, is he going to hop on Flotus's account next? Which would have been very funny. <laughs> um, yeah so good so good so cathartic i count it as good news i was surprised that facebook and instagram beat twitter to the punch yeah so it's been interesting i don't know if you also saw uh youtube banned uh steve bannon's podcast channel hours no, after giuliani appeared on an episode and blamed the capital siege on democrats oh right 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 that's fun yeah i, I, I my my favorite is like the few I've seen it reposted on TikTok or Twitter of people who stormed the Capitol being like, they're trying to frame this as like Antifa or Democrats doing it. We did it. I want you to know that we did it. 
I'm just like, oh, is that okay? You're not, it was really you're not wild to, to see anything? how to see how fast the conspiracy traveled from Twitter, where people were like, "These protesters are wearing black, and only Antifa wears black." So all these protesters are Antifa, which, by the way, a, a general rule, if you ever see anything like that and you're like, well, people aren't dumb enough to believe that, that's 100% the conspiracy theory that will catch like wildfire um, mm-hmm. because it is incredibly stupid and people are incredibly stupid. So they will believe it. Um, sorry, that's a very negative view of humanity, but it's been true 100% of the time always. So uh, that incredibly stupid conspiracy theory did spread to Fox News and is now being reported like everywhere in right wing media where they were like, they were, they were wearing black. It was Antifa. That, that's literally the, the level of um, thought that we're dealing with right now. But um, also in band news, Parlor, which if you don't know what Parlor is, it's one of the hottest apps in the world. It's a I wanted to talk about this. social network that's attracted millions of far-right conservatives because it's sort of presented as like the uncensored Twitter where conservatives won't be silenced, blah, 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 blah. So on Friday, Apple told Parler that it had to step up its policing of conversation on its app, um, which undercuts its main feature. They claim that they're completely free of censorship but the problem with that is uh, you'll get kicked off of Apple if you do that. Also, Google suspended Parler um, from the Play Store. So obviously everybody is like celebrating this because, and I, I really do want to emphasize this, it is incredibly important to de-platform fascists. So I always applaud social media platforms when they do this. It is not censorship. If you think it's censorship, you don't understand the definition of censorship. Censorship is when the government steps in and uh, silences individuals who are attempting to express independent thought, whether they're speaking or they wrote a book. Um, if the government steps in and they says, you, you can't say that, we'll send you to jail. That's censorship. It is not censorship for private companies to be like, hey, you violated our terms of service. We're going to kick you off our platform. That is 100% within their <laughs> legal right to do. Especially after we so many times went, hey, hey, stop it. Stop it. We're going to warn you 40 times. A mil- yeah, and a million. Yeah. And then we're going to get tough. Yeah. Like they get so many warnings, so many. Because here's the thing. A private company doesn't want to lose users because if they have fewer users, it damages their bottom line, right? It damages their stock value. So they always want to keep you, which is why they're like, hey, could you just cool it a little bit? Like they don't want to lose, even if you're a Nazi, they don't want to lose you, right? Um, So they'll give them a hundred chances. It's just that parlor is so crazy that they'll, they won't listen to them um it's surprised like i know people who have had their accounts taken away for like copyright infringements when they posted a a stupid video with a song in the background and their accounts are completely taken away forever they had to start a new thing right like they weren't banned but their account was deleted right and it's just insane to me that this is allowed to go on for so long when you're inciting violence and you're being racist and but like someone used a song by britney spears in a five second video you have to leave. You have to get the fuck out of here. 
I kind of want to join Parlor to see how long it takes me to get kicked off. I've thought about that because I am curious. And I also think there's a danger in, oh, so that's what I was going to say. So a lot of people are celebrating the fact that all of these, all of this right wing media is getting like deplatformed. Obviously, that is really significant. It's important. But it's going to make the right much more dangerous because it's going to drive them underground. So mm-hmm. I did think about getting a parlor account just to see what they're talking about. Because I don't know if you've ever dabbled in right wing media, but it is a fucking trip. It's almost like they're speaking a different language at this point. And mm. I think it's really, really dangerous if they completely go off the radar. So I do think it's important to keep monitoring them to see what they're talking about. Uh, okay, that's a, that's a little bit more responsible than what I wanted to do. <laughs> just yell at people until I got to, like deleted. Oh, I, yeah, I'm not going to engage. I just want to see what like these people are talking about. Oh, I fully want to engage. I want to I want to I want to be it's in the same way that I uh, one of the goals of my podcast is to get a cease and desist letter from Taylor Swift. <laughs> um, I also want to be kicked off. Of I've never gone. Uh, did we get a cease and desist? No, we just got notification that our episode had been taken down. So, yeah, guys, we're going to wrap up the episode there just because I've kept Charles so long. Um, no, I'm here for Charles, it. thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Is there anything you want to promote right now? Um, My show, uh, Dirty Little Horror, that I host with uh, Chris. Uh, we will be coming back... I think we're recording this upcoming week and we'll be back next weekend. Um, but yeah, go listen, go listen to that show and follow us on Twitter and Instagram and all the things we are, we are pushing, pushing heavy into some, uh, season four. I can't believe I'm even saying season four, um, like revamping some things. So there'll be some surprises. Oh my God. You guys have seasons. We do. Cause we take, uh, breaks, uh, even though we still pump out, like content during those breaks uh we still like we'll have definite uh changes in seasons so like we'll change artwork or we'll change format or we'll do something new for every time we take a break usually it's around pride because they get so busy and then uh around like the holidays christmas time but this year we did like i forget how many episodes but it went for over a year with season three because we had nothing else better to do (laughs) okay we love it and guys if you're a fan of this show, um, you can go to patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny for as little as $5 a month. You can support all of my work or you can just go to lighttreason.news and smash that donate button. Thanks so much for listening. If you have any thoughts, comments about today's episode, hashtag lighttreasonpod on Twitter. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, um, not on parlor as of this moment, maybe one day. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I feel like they would not love us over there though, but that's the point. That's the whole point guys. Thanks so much for listening. And while you're at it, stay inside and cause a little trouble. 